How do we revolutionize cancer care? What innovations can solve global food scarcity? Can the next big leap in drug development come from a place you might not expect? These are the questions that drive us on New Wave, a podcast where curiosity meets life-changing science. In Nova Scotia, a new wave of pioneers are answering these questions, from reimagining how we treat the most daunting diseases to tackling the challenges of feeding a growing planet. Their stories are as inspiring as they are impactful. I'm Taylor McGilvery. Join me as we dive into these extraordinary narratives. We're not just talking about scientific breakthroughs. We're exploring how these advancements touch lives, reshape communities, and pave the way for a brighter future. Subscribe to New Wave on your favorite platform. Be part of a journey that takes you to the heart of innovation and shows how, in Nova Scotia, we're not just asking questions, we're finding answers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's Bridie here to introduce this week's guest, Dr. Tammy Nelson. So Dr. Tammy Nelson, PhD, is a TEDx speaker, a licensed counselor, a board-certified sexologist, a certified sex therapist, and a certified Imago relationship therapist. She is the author of six books and is the host of a popular podcast, The Trouble with Sex. Ask Dr. Tammy. She is the director and founder of the Integrative Sex Therapy Institute, a training institute and think tank, and director of the PhD program in counseling specializing in human sexuality and sex therapy at Daybreak University in Southern California. We loved our conversation with Dr. Tammy Nelson, and we think you will too. So enjoy, and we'll see you on the other side.
Um, well, really excited to be joined with Dr. Tammy Nelson today. Um, Tammy, why don't you uh, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself to our guests and give us a little bit of insight into uh, who you are and and what you do for a living? Sure, I am a sex and relationship therapist. I've been in practice for over like thirty five years, which is almost embarrassing to say now. And I've written six books. My sixth book just came out, um, Open Monogamy, A Guide to Co-Creating Your Ideal Relationship Agreement. I'm the host of the podcast, The Trouble with Sex. And I started an institute uh, many years ago called the Integrative Sex Therapy Institute. So I train sex and couples therapists and certify people to be uh, integrative relationship therapists, which I think is really crucial in our environment today. What does that mean, integrated sex therapy? So I really think that, you know, when I was coming up in my training over the years, you know, getting my my master's and my PhD and stuff, a lot of the couples therapy training or the relationship therapy, just in psychology in general, they never talked about sex, like ever. Even in medical school, you get like 15 minutes of training uh, to talk about sex, which I always thought was fascinating because we're talking about relationships. You know, we're not talking about roommates. Mm. Uh And so I found some programs to talk about sex. I got my PhD in sexology. And then recently, all these sex therapy programs have popped up around the country. You can get a certificate in sex therapy. You can get certified but now they don't ever talk about how to work with people in their relationship and how to how to talk about like communication and all the varied ways that we're in relationship today in our contemporary society. So I, I feel like it's my mission to train therapists to bring those areas together. Like all therapists should be trained in sex and relationships. Like I can't imagine yeah. how you could miss that. Yeah. It's, all health professionals. Honestly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I was I was just gonna say like, um, and and you know maybe this is a completely different conversation, but but I am curious what your thoughts are as to like why do you think that is? Why do you think that healthcare professionals, psychologists, people who work in you know in it, within your field, um, you know why is the why is the sex topic such a small, minuscule part of the overall training? Like we recently just an epi- did an episode with um, a woman, uh, 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 a person who's a. Uh, a, an occupational therapist who specializes in sexuality. And one of the things that they said in the conversation that really struck me was like occupational therapists deal uh, with um, daily activities. Like, so th- their focus is to, is to look at all the daily activities in life and, and help, you know, help people manage how they, um, how they can perform those daily activities, whether that be, you know, brushing your teeth is a daily activity, driving your car is a daily activity. Um, But sex is also considered a daily activity. It's something that the majority of us do or, or want or desire. Um, And so if it's such a, if, 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 if it's such a key part of like our daily living, why is it as simple as like sex is just still so taboo, you know, in, in 2022 when we're living in a time where, you know, everything is, uh, there's robots everywhere and, and soon, soon Skynet will be, you know, just taking over everything. Like you, you'd think that we live, we live in the future. So I, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that, that sex is still something that's so, 
so taboo and so so you know stigmatized and and full of shame is it is it as simple as that is that the reason why these things aren't being delved into in a more um rigorous way when it comes to to training and 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 education surrounding healthcare providers you know i think it comes down to the fact that we see sex as something really private you know we assume that if sex is something you do behind closed doors and not in the middle of the grocery store, that we shouldn't talk about something that is so integral to your personal intimate life. And so as mm. professionals, even medical doctors who see you naked <laughs> and touch you in all your private places. My doctor um, had her finger up my butt yesterday, yesterday. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. It, it was like <laughs> <Yeah>. awkward. Like, <laughs> perfect. Perfect. And they probably didn't even like warn you very much. <laughs> and, you know, they try to like keep that so unintimate, like they know, you know, like they go in and out so quick. <laughs> but I think that's probably part of it. You know, like the highest rate of STDs today is or STIs is people in their 80s. Yeah. Like people yeah. are having sex later and later and more and more. And people in nursing homes, like, they see see these old people having sex and they like report it as if it's like pathological, like something oh. terrible is happening, you know, oh. because it, instead of just backing out of the, out of the doorway and saying, Oh, let me, you know, go, go for it. Have fun. Let me just give you some privacy. So we see it as private. And yet we also see anything that happens, you know, behind closed doors or in the dark as something that has the potential for pathology. Mm. Mm. I, uh, I'm, I'm really curious about your, your new book, um, which was uh, just recently released in, uh, in December, Open Monogamy. Um, what does open monogamy mean? Yeah. So the book is based on um, the concept of monogamy as being really fluid and flexible, that it's not so traditional anymore. You know, monogamy is really a legal term that means being married to one person, but we use it interchangeably to mean sexual fidelity. But now, you know, monogamy has always been sort of synonymous with morality. Mm. And today, I mean, you guys know more than anybody, like the contemporary idea of relationships is so much more broad and more fluid that open monogamy means that you have a primary or a central relationship with someone, a committed relationship that's based more on integrity and honesty mm. and not so much on this one idealized version of sexuality. So it's a, a, a primary relationship that has a very flexible and fluid definition of what monogamy could be. And that might mean that you still have a very traditional sexual commitment but you talk about your fantasies or you share the fact that you masturbate with each other or, or you watch porn together, or there's a whole continuum to the other end of the spectrum, which, you know, might be like an open polyamorous relationship. And that has a whole continuum as well, as you know. So it's more about like, how do you talk about those things? How do you start that conversation? How do you, how do you update it on a regular basis? Mm -hmm. And it's different than the new monogamy. My book, The New Monogamy, which was redefining your relationship after infidelity, which was about how to have a conversation to up, update your monogamy agreement. But it was after something had happened to wake up that conversation. Right. And people were like, well, can't we, can't we do that without having an affair first? Like, can't you write yeah. something for everybody? So that was really the upshot of that book. Hmm. I love that 
distinction because today's folks, you know, at least here in North America um, and Western places, we are people are being born into a time when these conversations are being had, but there's still like, we're, you know, I'm 37. There's still folks that are going to be around for quite a long time that aren't, weren't born with these tools and distinctions. So I think that's a, that's a really, really cool um, distinction to make. And I love the idea of, of monogamy um, as a fluid uh, sort of spectrum because even sometimes people who are in polyamorous relationships will then will then classify other relationships as monogamous relationships and what they mean is these are I have sexual fidelity fidelity in mm. this relationship and in this relationship we don't have a sexual relationship but we have a romantic relationship and monogamy just seems it seems like we've outgrown this word agreed agreed hundred percent. Yeah. It has such a wider context today. And, and it also has this weird, you know, negative connotation for people that are maybe younger or more that consider themselves more open-minded, like somehow monogamy has got this bad rap when within a monogamous context, it could be pretty wild and fluid and open and crazy. And you could pretty much have anything you want. It doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily your grandmother's monogamy. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think that might be the episode title. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I, I, like, I, I, I agree with Bridie in, in that it's, it's kind of nice to hear and sort of refreshing to hear this idea of monogamy being something that, that should be looked at as, as, um, you know, practice and, and, and that it exists on a continuum and that it is flexible, but um, you, you had mentioned that you've been doing this work for, for upwards of 30 years. Um, where, like, is this, is this new? Um, what, like this concept that you're talking about, or is this something that, that you've seen, like, what's the evolution of monogamy in, in, in terms of like your career and how long you've been, you've been working with, with couples and folks? Well, it's interesting because I think people today think they invented open relationships, but you know, like swinging's been around since the 60s and people have certainly been doing it since the 20s mm. and i mean i wasn't around then but and i certainly wasn't around before that but um the idea of having outside partners has always been around whether it was you know okay or not i think the thing that's shifted and changed over the years and certainly over the past century is that now women are like the doorkeepers like the date the gatekeepers of what happens and i think that's why it's been more prevalent and open is because women are more in touch with their sexuality. They know what they want. They don't settle for bad sex like they used to. And they're sort of more demanding of their own satisfaction and pleasure. And women are the gatekeepers of a lot of open relationships. Like if it happens, it's because in hetero relationships, it's because the female says, okay, let's do it. And, um, and, and that's, that's new. Like, you know, people have always cheated, but it's, and so they've always been in non-consensual, non-monogamous relationships, mm -hmm. but it's been more dangerous for women to admit that they've wanted outside partners because they've always faced much greater consequences. And today there's a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more stigma for women, but it's much more, um, the, the playing field has become much more equal. 
Mm. And that's shifted a lot, even in the past 30 years, I would say. Mm. That's good to hear. I um, I was watching this. Uh, Netflix has this great documentary series called Explained. And um, one of the episodes was on monogamy. And uh, right off the top of the episode, I think one of the really impressive uh, quotes was something to do with uh, it's like monogamy is really hard for people, but we still prioritize it as a central goal in life. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that sort of failure rate is really high. And the distinction too, of people are involved in non consensual, non monogamy all the time and the bringing it above board and, and, and into the light. Do you think, do you think that's, because like, I think a lot of people talk about affairs as being, you know, its appeal is some of the appeals that it's secret and that it's, you know, it's nobody knows and it's just private for them. So how is how is how does that fit in to this non-monogamy thing? Well, it's so interesting because, you know, Ashley Madison, which is a website for people to meet other uh, married or committed people to have affairs with has over 70 million members worldwide. Holy shit. I, I know. know. 70 million. 70 million. And, you know, you may have heard, you know, years ago they had some um, some trouble with, with their membership. Like, was it all real? And was everybody really real? And they had Ernst & Young come in and clean up their site. And, and I mean, it's, it's well documented that Pretty, it's pretty much a one-to-one ratio of men and women on there now. Mm-hmm. And they they had a huge uptick in membership over the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that, you know, it's not that affairs aren't still going on. In fact, because of the access with the internet and the way that we define affairs, I mean, and particularly through COVID, I think, you know, it's gotten more dramatic. Um, how people cheat and what they choose to do. And your your point is well taken. Like, is it the secrecy? Um, the way that I think about it is, I think it's, for some people, it's the compartmentalization. Like they're testing out a different part of themselves. So it's not so much that they're looking for another person. It's like they're looking to be another person. Right. And it's sort of like a testing ground, you know, like, I can be anybody I want with this new person online. And let me see if I can stretch into this new self. And then the dilemma becomes, can I bring this new self back into the relationship? Or am I going to blame my partner that I can't be this new part of part of me? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's not so much a sexual dilemma, but I think it's like a dilemma of integrity. Like, can I integrate all those parts of myself and live in integrity, which I think is what open relationships are like, living in the integrity of saying, oh, these are all the parts of me. This is, mm. this is what I'm into all these parts and without hiding. And I think that's a dilemma. I think Ashley Madison and places like that, like fills that need of trying to figure out how to integrate all those parts, how to be honest with yourself about all the things that you want and need. Well, even exploring the playing field as a, when we first opened our relationship, it, you know, you, you start striking up new relationships with people and you're like, Oh, I, I like that this person laughs at my at jokes that, you know, Jeremy doesn't laugh at. And there's this part of me that I've always felt like Jeremy, Jeremy, like didn't really like that part. So, you know, I like put that, you know, not to pick on you, but you know, um, 
I'm not going to express that part of myself around, around Jeremy, but then ultimately, you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I like this person that I get to be. And then one day some other part of me shows up that this person doesn't really like. (laughs) And then I also don't get to be my full self with this person. And I think that that is a really, um, primary reason that it's nice to have multiple relationships but all of those relationships also don't have to be romantic or sexual relationships but we just prioritize those relationships over all other like friendships or family relationships Mm. so we end up with a massive juggling act of sides of our personality and when and when it's not okay to express them like for for folks that might be listening right now who who identify as monogamous um, the whole like open relationship thing or polyamory just like doesn't really sit well with them. Um, but they're hearing these, they're hearing these things and they're hearing like that, you know, this is what it's like to be polyamorous or, or the, you know, these are the, these are the experiences that, um, so-and-so has had in, in having an open relationship and, and they hear that and they go, ah, yeah, it doesn't fit for me, but I, but there's something about it that is, that I'm really uh, that that really intrigues me and I'm very interested in it, do you like do you have um tools or or sort of like concepts to to give to those types of people in, in order to incorporate some of that stuff into your own monogamous relationship in in order to like you know find that find that part of yourself that maybe you feel like has been stagnant or that you've lost in this in this long-term closed off relationship that you're in? Yes. And, you know, it's interesting because um, I'm really curious about if you are in a a traditionally closed monogamous relationship, how many people who are curious about opening their relationships would do it if they could. And I actually um, worked with Ashley Madison because they have so many members to do a survey of their members to ask them. And they said that 72% of the people in, you know, what are meant to be monogamous relationships wanted to introduce some form of open monogamy, Hmm. but they were afraid to bring it up to their partners because they're afraid of being judged or that it would go against their partner's beliefs, or they're just unsure how to start the conversation. And I think you know, that goes to your point, like, how do you even begin the conversation if you're, mm. if you're feeling like, not only are you not sure you're into it, but maybe it's even more that you're not sure your partner would be into it. Mm-hmm. And you don't really want to go home and say, so honey, you know, uh, what do you think about opening your relationship? Like you can't, once the genie's out of the bottle, you can't take back what you said. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And That's it, may, exactly it might imply happened. that there's something wrong with your relationship. And in, in my book, I talk about it. It's really works best, I think, for people who are expanding on what's already working in their relationship. It seems like for you guys, you have this great relationship and it just makes it more, you know, there's sort of more love to go around, makes Mm -hmm. it more exciting, more loving. I think people worry that it's going to, you know, suck the life out of what they have and that there's just a limited amount to to work on. Um, So I think that, you know, the first conversation is probably difficult, but Um, the way that I would suggest it is to talk about it in like a fantasy, like you can have a fantasy of this and go on that for the rest of your life. And that can be erotic and sexy and hot. You don't ever have to take anything into action. Mm. Like there's, you can be curious about something. You can have a fantasy about it. 
And then you can also have things that you actually want to do. But those three things are very, very different. I'm very curious in your work um, with your clients, the folks who have been through extramarital affairs, non-consensual affairs, and then have have been basically starting this new relationship afterwards, do you find, like, what's their success rate? Like new relationship within the relationship with that it, they had. That- exactly. Like married to the same person, but you're taking your second go at yes, it right, after okay. an affair. Right. Like those people who have had that rupture in their relationship, what, like, is it like scar tissue? Does it make it stronger than ever more often than not? Or like, is there any of that, any of that sort of correlation? Well, noticed? I think that people fall into a couple different categories. One is certainly what I call a can opener affair, where you're kind of doing it to get out. Mm-hmm. You know, you might not even realize when you're having an affair that that's the reason you're doing it. Um, sometimes it's like an unconscious thing and you have an affair and you're like, oh, uh, now I know why I'm doing this. Like I, this is like a swing from branch to branch thing. Like I didn't know that I really want it out, but now that I know I can get out, I'm done. Or you're doing it to sort of passively aggressively get caught. So your partner will end it. Cause you don't really have the balls to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of affairs and, and frankly, I think the majority of affairs, at least the ones that I've seen are more like a wake up or break up. Like it's, something has gotten to the point where uh, we have to figure out a different way to function together because what we've been doing has sort of reached its natural conclusion or isn't working for at least one of us. And so the affair is like this wake up call to have a new conversation about who we are or who we want to be. And those couples, uh, if they do the work in therapy, eventually say things like, wow, that maybe that was the best thing that could have happened to us. Now, if you're listening out there and you've just been cheated on, you're probably like, well, screw you, Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can understand that. Like, that's a really painful thing and kind of blamey sounding. But for a lot of people, an affair is kind of a way to wake up and go, wait a minute, what is it that I really want? And maybe we do have to end this relationship and think about if we want a new one together but based on different, a different agreement. Like the one that we were sort of implicitly going on obviously isn't working. Turn Me On Podcast will be back after this short break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What what is what is the um uh the a, a term that I'm I'm not too familiar with at least I don't think I am out of out of the the four years we've been doing this um but but it's it's something that was that was a part of the the show notes going into this episode was um um having skills for for honest conversations about the monogamy gap um monogamy gap is something that I've I, I don't think I've ever heard before can you explain what that is and 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 what those conversations would be. Yeah, so I I think that I found that there was a monogamy gap in most of the couples that I've seen over the years. And what I mean by that is that there's usually a gap between how much monogamy one person wants versus the other. And that most people don't really want the same amount or type of monogamy. And even though there's this implicit assumption that the other person wants the same amount and the same type. And that implicit assumption is the thing that leads to betrayal. So in other words, what you say explicitly, like at the altar or under the chuppah or whatever, it's like, okay, I promise to love, honor you, never sleep with anyone else for the rest of my life. And that seems so concrete, but implicitly, you know, we come from totally different places. So What's private versus secret might be different. What's, you know, what's assumed about like, do you tell each other every time you masturbate to porn? One person might think, you know, like I have a lot of couples where, and they can be gay or straight or whatever. One partner will walk in on the other person masturbating to porn and think, oh my God, you're cheating on me. And the other person says, I don't know what you're talking about. I've been doing this since I was 12. <laughs> yeah. right. Like this, this has nothing to yeah. do with you. And the other person's like, yeah. this has everything to do with me. Like, mm. I thought when we got married or committed, I would be the only one touching your penis. And now you're touching your penis. And now I don't feel like touching your penis. So no one's going to touch your penis. And the other person's like, well, wait a minute, it's my penis. And, <laughs> you know, like there's this whole gap around what our implicit assumptions are. Mm. And, you know, when Ashley Madison, when I asked Ashley Madison about this survey, I asked him to, to really look at the monogamy gap and, um, you know, more than a third of the people that came back from the survey is like almost 3,000, I think it was 2,800 people answered the survey. And they said that a, more than a third would ask their partner for an open relationship if they knew how to bring it up 
because they're afraid that their partner, this is what I make up, because they're afraid that their partner has the same uh, desire for monogamy, even though uh, they've never really talked about it. Just the explicit assumption on the surface looks the same, but when they really do open up the conversation, they realize, wait, I don't care if you go to strip clubs. It's fine. That's not cheating. And the other person's like, wow, like I, I could have sworn you would like lose your mind if I talked to you about that. Like we have such a gap in our, in our assumptions that we never talk about. And those are the things that begin to um, un, either unwind or unravel, depending on how we want to talk about things. What what advice do you do you give people uh, to to like to start having those conversations? Like you know, you've mentioned a couple times now that you know the notion of coming home and going, sweetheart, I I think I want to open the relationship like that. That it that more often than not isn't quite the way to like drop that bomb. Um, but 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 when it comes to these things, these like these assumptions uh, that we have going into a monogamous relationship. Um, and knowing that two people could have vastly different assumptions of what is, you know, what is faithful and what is not. Um, how do you, how do you, how do you encourage people to have those conversations? How do you start those conversations? Um, you know, I always uh, talk to people about having like, what if conversations to just stay in the curiosity for now. And like, I'd be so curious, like, what if, or to to talk about it from a fantasy perspective. If you if you never talked about it before, you could talk about like I heard this podcast where these people were talking about this, or I I heard a friend, or um, I saw something on TV. What do you think about this? I'm so curious about this. If you want to move it forward and talk about it as if it's happening in your relationship in a more fantasy level, then you could talk about your curiosity from a what if conversation. Like, what if we did this? And what if this happened? And people tend to talk about the negatives of what if, but so I tell them to think about it from, to have three parts. So there's a potential we could do this. Like, what if we went to a, a sex party and just looked at people and what are the problems that could happen? And what's the payoff that could happen? So the problem might be, oh my God, like what if you really liked it and I didn't? It <laughs> would be a problem because yeah. you want to go back and I wouldn't. But what could be the payoff? Well, the payoff might be we both got really turned on and went home and had great sex. Like mm. just to talk about the potential what ifs and then how it could go really bad and how it could go really well. And that just brings out like loads of conversations without having ever to take anything into action you don't have to commit you don't have to argue about it mm. it's just a, a conversations that can actually last forever in my book i have like lists and lists of conversations in the along the continuum of monogamy that you can sort of use to you know poke in those areas and bring up conversations so that it's a little bit easier to talk about so that you're not going all the way from zero to a hundred I like that a lot. I was kind of, before Jeremy asked that question, I was thinking about how, so we, we've done a lot of conversations about consent and how you can have these little consent conversations over a date and it can be really sexy. It could be like, you know, yes, no, or maybe, or something like that to different sex acts. But I feel like we need a list of like going to a strip club, giving a strip, 
working on at a strip club or mm. like, you know, receiving a happy ending at a massage. Exactly. I'm, I'm studying massage therapy, giving a happy ending at a massage, you know, like. Are they teaching the, the, you that at the uh, <laughs> no, massage therapy No, <laughs> and it's like totally crosses a professional boundary for me to even I talk know, I about sh- it. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, uh, but again, you know, it's when we were talking about how health professionals don't really talk about sexuality, like for sure in massage therapy training, at least mine, they keep a very clear boundary. There's like no innuendos allowed. But then as a result, if you want any sort of like pelvic floor training, it's all different program. You have to go and talk about those things in a different sensitive environment and, uh, and so on. So anyway, I, I'm like, you know, talking about all this, one of the things that, that I think oftentimes, um, uh, comes up when, when people hear about these, these, uh, types of, of, uh, relationship dynamics or, or what have you, um, the the notion of jealousy is kind of like a big, a big topic, especially for people who are are new to open relationships or new to polyamory. Um, and one of the one of the stats that I found really interesting in in uh, before we we started this conversation, in the show notes here was that uh, statistically, women uh, specifically fifty six percent are are more fulfilled than men at thirty six percent with their open monogamy agreements. Um, what like what do those stats say? Um, why is it that that there's fifty fifty six percent of women that are more fulfilled than men, and and then on top of that, how how do you how do you uh, encourage people to go about having conversations about jealousy when it when it comes to um, you know maybe opening things up in a, in a monogamous relationship? It's a lot there to unpack, but I, I'm so curious about it because. In that Ashley Madison survey, they said 82% of women versus 74% of men report being very or somewhat fulfilled within their open monogamy agreement. 82% of women. I mean, that this wow. is a self-selected population for mm-hmm. sure. But it's the same, it's almost the same uh ratio. Like women tend to be more um fulfilled. And one, I think it's because. Again, they're the gatekeeper. So by the time they make the decision to do it, they're ready to do it. They're mm-hmm. also, um, they tend to end it later than men do. Men tend to want to, in hetero relationships, men tend to want to end it sooner than women do. So by the time women make the decision to do it, um, men are like, okay, I'm done. Like that was fun. And they're like, I'm not stopping now. <laughs> this right. is working for me. <laughs> And I don't know if that's the personality thing. I don't know if I can generalize it. I certainly have not surveyed everyone who's ever been in an open relationship. Um, But I don't think that jealousy is necessarily a a perspective that controls whether or not people open or close. I think jealousy can be a um, actually a motivator for more uh, erotic tension, like jealousy doesn't have to be the shutdown. The shutdown around jealousy is sometimes, you know, jealousy can be like the canary in the coal mine. It shouldn't be like, oh, if you're jealous, you should get over yourself. And, you know, there's sort of a myth that people in open relationships are never jealous. That's not true. Everyone's Ooh. jealous. It's like a human emotion. And sometimes your intuition around your jealousy is a good thing. It's like saying, wait a minute, this person is, is going to like 
hedge in on our open monogamy. This person's a threat. Like they're not good to be around our kids. They're not good in our, like something's not right. And you should explore that. And it should be a conversation where you should say, my intuition is saying, this is not good for us. And maybe in your relationship, you have veto power over things like that. In other situations, maybe jealousy is good for your relationship. It's like, wow, I feel something. (laughs) I feel something Mm. intense. And I'm really, I'm not sure, but I've never seen this side of you where someone's so incredibly into you. And I'm kind of jealous of that. But now I see you like I've never seen you before. And attraction happens in the space in between you. And so now there's space for like longing for this new part of you. And even though I'm kind of mad and jealous, I'm also really hot for you now. Mm. So jealousy has this interesting uh, mercurial uh, response in relationships. And it also, the last part I just want to say about that is it also mirrors for us the parts of us that we need to look at and we mm-hmm. need to heal, which is usually the part people focus on, but it's not the most fun part. <laughs> you know, like yeah. if I'm jealous, it might be because I feel insecure about, you know, this per- other person's younger than me and I feel afraid of growing older or I feel like I'm not as as successful in that area of my life or whatever. So that's something I need to work on. That has nothing to do with you. Mm. Now, who wants to work on that? Right. Yeah. Like, how do you go about that? Because that that speaks that that uh, I hear that big time like that. I think that's the that's when I get jealous. That's probably the one part that sort of like it becomes all encompassing and overwhelming for me. Um, how do you, how do people work through that? You know, like, how do you, how do you take that and, and put that to use as opposed to being just so engulfed by it, that it, that it that it just leads to nowhere good. You know, I think part of it's a personality thing. Like some people really cannot tolerate jealousy. And I, I can tell you from doing years of couples work, um, that, and seeing people in pods of open relationships that a lot of the conflict that happens with outside partners and jealousy and stuff is about your sibling issues. Hmm. How come they get more time? How can they get more attention? How can they get the better nights? How can they get the, how can we take them to the movies and not me? That's all sibling rivalry. Hmm. And so usually in couples therapy, we look at the projection of like you married your parents kind of thing. (laughs) But in open relationship work, we look at, how it feels to be a sibling and mm. who gets the special relationship. And, and there's really a, a formula that I use where in all relationships, there's a certain amount of resources. And I look at them as time, attention, affection, and sex. And if you start to feel jealous or threatened by an outside partner, what, what do you feel like you're losing? as a result of that person being with someone else? Is it that your partner's not giving you enough time now? Is it that they're always on their phone with this other person so they're not paying attention to you when you're together? Is it that you know, you're suddenly not having enough sex or they're not touching you anymore? Like, which is the part that bothers you? Because just being blanket jealous doesn't really get to the issue that's bothering you of what you feel like you're losing. Mm. Yeah, I, I like those those um, those elements that you just listed there. Um, I feel like those are things that even in even in a non open, even in a, just a a, a, a a monogamous relationship that that isn't open, um, oftentimes you'll see couples that that struggle with feeling like 
um, like they aren't they aren't receiving one of those things. Like the the phone thing really speaks to me. Like the you know when my partner is is on their phone and we are together, um, it re- like it really bothers me. Ditto. Um, and and uh, yeah, it's funny <laughs> me saying that now because you always gave me shit for that. Uh, because I was always on my phone, and now I'm looking at at our relationship, and I'm going, I get it now. I but get you're you, still I, always on your phone. I get where you're coming from. Um, uh, but 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 yeah, like so so that that just makes me it just makes me think about like how how if going into an open relationship, if if deciding to make that choice before taking that leap, maybe just taking a step back and looking at the the current relationship and going, all right. When, when in the past have these things come up where I felt like I wasn't getting the time that I, that I felt like I deserved or I wasn't, um, I wasn't feeling like sexually um, desired enough or, or, or you know, wanted um, or wasn't receiving enough touch? And how did I, how did I, how did I handle those feelings? Um, did I handle those feelings in a positive and like, like constructive way? Or was it more of a, 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 a destructive and and sort of um, unhealthy way? And maybe before we go into like before we dip our toes into this these waters, sort of ch- just checking in with how to handle those situations in a in a more in a more helpful way than than uh, than you did in the past. Yeah, I'm just thinking out loud here, but that's just it's just making me think about uh, you know different tools to to focus on before, before taking that leap. I've, I've hear that on like a needs fulfillment thing, like something we, we definitely didn't do, but I've been thinking about a lot with not just you, but in all of my relationships, family and, um, uh, and friends too, is what do I need from this relationship to mm. feel like, to feel like it's a, it's a, it's healthy for mm. me to be mm. in. And, and I think, not that I've had those conversations yet with any of the people that I think about, but I'm just, I'm only just starting to think about those things. What is it that I need from you? Mm. Because in the, in the con- concept of like relationship anarchy, which is something we've talked a little bit about, which I like to think of as like putting, like building a relationship that is, is significant to you and has the important things to you from, from this particular person. Um, I don't know where I'm going with that, but, but, but essentially I like what you're saying, Jeremy, in, in that before opening it up and saying, well, maybe I can get this somewhere else. Maybe I can address this with the person I'm with right now and say, you know, I, I feel like I want to be with other people because I'm not getting the time, attention, affection, or sex from you. And, you know, one or all, can we improve that? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, one of the things that, uh, Tammy, that you, you had kind of like, uh, touched on briefly, um, earlier in the conversation was just how, how the pandemic has had an effect on relationships. Um, I'm curious to know if the work that you've done over the last two years has, has put much focus on, on this. And, and if so, like how has, how has COVID-19 affected monogamy and, and the way that we, we look at monogamy as a whole? Oh, so many people, you know, had this increase in domesticity and increase in responsibility at home and increase in family and, you know, being quarantined with your partner and um, worked for some people who were nesters, you know, like if you were into sourdough bread and (laughs) 
<laughs> like had that starter on your counter, you were happy. But if you were uh, what I call a seeker and you needed uh, variety and adventure, there's a part of your brain that really, you know, might've been served well in the outside world just by looking for a parking place or a movie. But if you've been stuck home for two years and you've watched everything on Netflix, that part of you is going to start searching online. And those are the people that signed up for Ashley Madison over the over the past two years that looked for outside stimulation in some other way. And there was a lot of infidelity, but there was also, um, you know, a shift in the culture in many ways. Like people realize you need more than one other person to help you live. Like you're, you, you need a pod, you need a, a, a force of people that you could outsource your needs to. Like maybe you need someone to watch your homeschool your kids because you suck at math. And you're sick of having sex with your husband. So you'd be happy if someone came over and gave your husband blowjobs, but you don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> and maybe, you know, somebody else could come over and do your lawn because you can't stand, you know, going outside anymore. And you're happy being home, working all day on the computer. Like people found the reality of what it means to have many people in a village that um, could support your lifestyle. And even things like Ashley Madison, Ashley Madison now has people on their site identifying as being in an open relationship. It's no longer, uh, and, and I'd like to attribute my influence on them, but it's no longer that people are just looking to cheat and hide. Like they're really looking for outside partners for their partner on the site because there's so many people. It's like such a, a wealth of potential. And it's hard to find people to be in an open relationship with. Um, it, you know, the, you know, like there's not many places to go and meet people. It's hard to just like any kind of dating. It's hard to find people, particularly other couples that you want to be in a coupleship with. Mm. So, so many things happened because of the uh, pandemic that I think shifted the whole mindset of the culture around what it means to be in relationship. We shifted our values, what's important, what our true north is. And that's, mm. to me, what open monogamy is. Like your true north is honesty and it's to be in love with someone and then everything else um, is flexible and fluid. Mm. And that's what keeps you alive. And I, I really feel like things are, things are changing. Like mm. we're no longer like trapped in all the beliefs that we used to think uh, made our lives manageable. Now there's a new freedom uh, where I think people realize you can create anything you want to and you better get on it because you never know <laughs> when things are going to shut down. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like this don't look up thing. Like you never know. <laughs> you yeah. better take what you want now. And part, it's not just take what you want and discard what you have. It's, it's, you know, remind you of what your priorities are and who they are and that you can have anything you want um, as long as you do it with love and respect. Mm -hmm. And you learn how to commu communicate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Tammy, this has been uh, such a lovely conversation. I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and chat with us. Again, folks, the book is called Open Monogamy, A Guide to Co-Creating Your Ideal Relationship Agreement. Uh, it's available now uh, wherever you find uh, fine books. And uh, again, thank you so much, Tammy. This has been really fun. You're welcome. And if your listeners want to write to me at Tammy at drtammynelson.com, I'm happy to send them a free, um, like a worksheet with like 37 questions about how to open your relationship. Um, 
because I think it's like a just a, a kickoff to the hundreds of questions that are available in the book. But if they want to do that, I'm happy to, or you can put it in the show notes. Yeah, amazing. that would be amazing. Thank you so much. Um, how, how, can people, how can people find you and, and stay up to date with the work that you're doing? Well, they can certainly email me at Tammy at drtammynelson.com or go to my website, which is D-R-T-A-M-M-Y-N-E-L-S-O-N.com. Or you can go to openmonogamy.com, which is the book website. You can find the book, you know, like you said, anywhere books are found. It sounds true, publishing, or um, on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. But I'd love it if people would follow me and get on my mailing list so I can let you know about upcoming talks and stuff. Awesome. Well, thank you again. This has been really great. Oh, you guys were great. It's wonderful to talk to. And congratulations on making your relationship work. You guys are great role models for people. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I think we're doing all right. (laughs) Well, if you're not, you can call me. (laughs) (laughs) Deal. Hello. 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 I thought we were going to harmonize there for a second. I was trying. I don't know how to harmonize. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, it's more intuitive, I think, than we give it credit for yeah. being able to harmonize. But we it's really scary to put yourself out there yeah. and jump in and try to harmonize. I know how to harmonize, but I have a hard time doing it without being taught. You know what I mean? Like, like in musical theater. Here's your note. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like when I'm getting taught by a musical director, I'm like, oh yeah, I can harmonize. But you can't pick it out. But like Uh, if I was listening to some like Alanis Morissette on the drive over, I'm I'm not going to like bust into the harmony because I don't know. Well, see, Alanis would be someone who's, I'm so glad we're talking about this because my birthday is coming up and I'm like, what can I do that includes a lot of people and is really fun and some, and I looked into renting a pool for a pool party and that's off the chart, not on the table because of COVID. Um, I looked at bowling and I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's really like what I want to do. But I was just sitting here thinking about karaoke and how great it would be. But listen, um, Alanis is not, I mean, you can obviously harmonize with that, with any song, Yeah. but the easy ones, I feel like you would, you would want to harmonize to like, I'll tell you when I listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast, I always harmonize with Jack White. I yeah. can tell that we are going to be friends. You yeah, know that yeah, song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. also um, some Pink Floyd, like Comfortably Numb. Yeah. Um, and Wish You Were Here. Great songs sure. to jump in. And- yeah, right. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good good, uh, good harmonies there. Oh, really? With Anthony Kiedis. Yeah, I'm sure. Donut, what are you doing, dude? Well, you took all of his toys away. His slippers. His slippers <sighs> and my mittens. I know dog owners get this. Mm-hmm. I love my dog. Mm-hmm. And I would never hurt Donut. No. But sometimes you want to crush him. I just want to crush him. <laughs> sometimes, buddy, you get on my nerves and you stay on my nerves all day. I have one nerve, and you are stepping on it. So uh, th- this was a nice conversation with Tammy, um, and I uh, hope you enjoyed that, folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got our book here, mm-hmm. uh, Open Monogamy, um, and. Just to, just remind me, Bridie, like, like how can monogamy be on the spectrum? You know what I mean? Like, because <clears throat> for most people, and I know we've just talked about this with Tammy, but just refresh me because uh, I don't remember. How can monogamy be on the spectrum? Yeah, like, you know, um, I think the title of this episode is This Is Not Your Grandmother's Monogamy. Mm-hmm. And, and like, for most people, monogamy is you are in a relationship with one person who you are 
faithful to with that one person for your sexual and intimacy needs and there's nobody else in that setup mm-hmm. um but uh but that's not and which that is monogamy mm-hmm. but that's not monogamy for everyone well i think so just to paraphrase or to put, try to put this in my own words and my own understanding of it it seems to me like the more th- things like this we can embrace having a spectrum probably the better because we're all so different and so i think the idea behind the monogamy spectrum is that sure you could have monogamy that is specifically that agreement yeah but i think what but but then you can also the monogamy spectrum could also be like all right we are only we're going to be sexually and emotionally monogamous. Yeah. But you're okay with your partner flirting with other people. Sure. Or you're okay with cuddling. Yeah. Or, you know, or together as a couple, you might see another person yeah. sexually. Yeah. So there's all it, it seems to me like the rebranding of monogamy that's happening here is that there is a conversation and agreements that need to be had so that everyone who's agreeing... Everyone's on the same page. Exactly. Knows what the... And has a chance, I think, because... And has a chance to explore what their interests, what their expectations, what those things are, because I don't think we're asked to think about those things yeah. usually. Yeah. We're just like, oh, I'm in a, in a monogamous relationship or I'm in an open relationship. And that's it. Boom, and that's bam, it. bam, boom. Yeah. There is a glossary of terms in um, the back of Tammy's book, which is called Open Monogamy, a guide to co-creating your ideal relationship agreement. I love that. Co-creating your relationship. Mm. Um, this is a very sexy book. We've gotten a handful of books over the last, you know, five years of doing this podcast. And this is like, I'm into this. It's got a nice, simple design. If you're on Patreon, you can see me holding it. Anyway, so I'm really intrigued. I read the intro and I'm and the table of contents, and and I'm definitely intrigued. So expect to hear more about what I learned from this book. But in the glossary of terms, monogamy continuum, which I think is what you mean by yeah spectrum. Yes, yeah. Um, is a spectrum of monogamy that includes the following levels, and I'm sure this is not a uh, exhaustive list of of levels, but closed, fantasy, emotional. Fantasy, it would be fantasy monogamy? Yeah, I think it would be like, it's monogamy, but... but Like closed can, monogamy, fantasy monogamy. <laughs> well, I think... Your fantasy, grandmother's monogamy. That's not on this list. That's closed monogamy. That's close. I would say that's probably closed monogamy. Yeah. We'll call that Nana's monogamy. <laughs> um, we've got emotional... Monogamy is one of those words where if I say it three monogamy, times monogamy, in monogamy. the span of... Like a minute, that monogamy lost, it. lost the word, <clears throat> lost it completely. Gammy's monogamy. <clears throat> Sorry, so I, I cut you off there. There's fantasy. Uh, what after, what's after that? Emotional, sexual, autonomous, independent, unlimited, poly, relationship, anarchy, and detached. Wait, so I, oh, interesting. So po- wait, po- there, she's she's putting poly under the monogamy continuum, continuum of monogamy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because. I mean, in that's, a way, yeah. well, I don't know. I guess it, monogamy does like what? What's the actual definition of just monogamy? Do you know? 
Like the uh, Oxford English dictionary. English dictionary definition. Yeah. Oh yes, 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 yes. I know that. I know that Go off by it. heart. Give it, give it, give it. Uh, monogamy. Um, uh, do you want to use it in a sentence, or do you want the definition? Um, <laughs> give me the definition. All right, monogamy. If you uh, give me the, the origins and spell it for me first. Yes. So, uh, uh, no, you go ahead. I was going to say something. I was going to say something jokingly, but I think people would take offense to it. Okay. Well, the origin, I'm going to give you the whole shebang here. The origin. Mono, one, singular. Yes. Mono, one. It's yep. Greek. Yep. And also Greek, gamos, marriage. Marriage, yes. Monogamia. <laughs> Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. For it. It dates back to the early 17th, 17th century. century. Yeah, I knew this, yeah. And the uh, definition is the practice, the practice or, or state, state of, of being, being married. married. Yeah, I knew this. To one person, person at, at a, time. a time. I knew this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know that off my heart. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, we are, we're monogamous. Yep. We're, we're only married to each other. That's right. So there you go. Yeah. I don't know what detached means. I'm assuming it's in the book here um, because we've got autonomous, which my understanding is, and then it's followed up by independent. To me, those words are synonymous. Right. But I guess they're not. Lots to learn then, I guess, so from much, this book. So much knowledge in this And this book. is the, you're looking at the glossary right now? Yeah. Right. You want to hear some other things that are back here? Sure. Uh, you told me earlier, you know this one. It was, I, I've definitely heard it, but it was kind of newish again. Uh, polycule. A polycule, well, I, I, do they have, the, does she, in the glossary, does she define it there? Yep. Yeah, so so I could be wrong here, but I'm pretty sure a polycule is is a group of individuals that are linked by polyamory in a relationship. So me, you, Leah, and Todd are in a polycule, even though Todd and I have no uh, intimate or sexual bonds whatsoever, nor do he and Leah, nor do you and Leah. Yeah. But we're all we are, we we together make up a polycule, which is this this agreement between four people where there are relationships involved in certain manners between the four of us. Yep, that's what she's got here. The group of people in a sexual, emotional, or romantic relationship network or structure. Yeah, there you go. Network. Network of relationship. Um red line. Red line? Yeah. I don't know what red line is. No, I'm I'm assuming it comes from like the legal like contract world. Um, in this book, it says the hard boundaries that a person is not willing to change. Um, I googled red line, but I guess it's the name of a movie. Um, was the first thing that came it's to the my first, mind. Really? Yeah. Uh, I've never even heard of it, but you're more of a. Movie. Well, I thought of a thin a thin red line, which is a uh, uh, just a disasterly boring movie. Okay, so well it does come from at least one of the definitions is uh refusing someone alone because they live in an area deemed to be poor financial risk. Yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with what we're talking about. No, but it does have that like red line. It's a red it's like sure. this fine print. Kind yes, of okay, thing. I get what you're saying. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So um, a red line would be like uh like a hard no. Yeah. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um okay and then there's at least one in here. Kitchen table poly. Yeah, I know what that is. What is that? So that means that um, you are polyamorous. So you are open to uh, having emotional bonds, sexual bonds, intimacy bonds with anybody else outside of your relationship, 
but it can only happen on a kitchen table. Mm. So, so, if, so, so no, like no fucking, unless it, this other person, unless it's on your kitchen table, you can't have like, you know, pillow talk and like sweet serenading, sweet nothings into someone's ear unless it's on the kitchen table. Um, no telling you I love you unless it's on a kitchen table. It's suddenly becoming very clear to me why my kitchen table needs a new leg. There's one <laughs> leg on it that's coming off. Yeah. Um, kitchen table poly, an arrangement where people in primary and secondary relationships feel comfortable hanging out together. Oh, so like uh, we have a kitchen table poly hangout this Polycule. weekend. Polycule. Our Polycule had a kitchen table poly event on the weekend when we have brunch together on Sunday. Yeah. Yes, we did. Right. Um, okay. One more. That's neat. Uh, catch and release agreements. Ooh, um, I mean this, uh, seriously, this sounds like a, um, like, uh, like we have an agreement where you can go on a date with someone, maybe two or three dates with someone. And then, and then call it off like yep. a, like a very casual like yes but no no holding on to that connection that you've made like it can be a it can be like a you know one and done kind of thing mm-hmm. yep you're right an agreement between open monogamy primary partners that any outside partners will be temporary and yeah. for sex only with no lasting commitment right now that's so so that that is uh that's hard that's harder. That's 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 easier said than done. It is too, isn't it? And and also can and and if not done, if not done in a very careful and and um and mindful way, can cause a lot of upset mm-hmm. and a lot of heartbreak. So you know that that I can I understand how that could work and be really great, yeah. but I think that uh, to go into that without any kind of like forethought and without any real tangible like effort um you could you really be opening yourself up for some hurt do you say that because it's easy to catch feelings for people no not necessarily easy to catch feelings for people but like you know you're you are at it so again you're you're dealing with somebody else's emotions and somebody else's life um, We're talking about the person outside yeah, of the exactly. So we'll use let's use you and I as like a hy- hypothetical here. I decide to go on a date with someone. We have this catch and release thing, and I don't clearly communicate to this person that like here are my needs mm-hmm. and here are, are what I'm what I am here for and what my boundaries and expectations are. And if I don't lay that out, and this person is fe- like is feeling like oh yeah, like I'm. I'm looking for something serious, something long-term. And then, you know, you turn around and basically like tell them, oh yeah, sorry. Like, that's not what I, that's not what I signed up for. Like that just, that just, that's ouchy. Like that's ouchy for people. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So like, you you know, you definitely want to be very, very mindful about, yeah, that kind of the fact that it, that's not just about the couple anymore. Yeah, there's other people and feelings involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I I really liked what I was finding when I was um going through this. One of the I'm not going to go through the maybe I will. I'll just give you a little brief um reading. There's a there's a one page note to readers, and this may um tell you whether or not if you're listening to this whether you'd be interested in reading this book. I will say that. In our 
you know, monogamy, we don't use language of like primary partners yeah. and secondary partners, but lots of people do. Yeah. Um, and this book does seem to have language in that, um, in that domain as well. Uh, but I, I really think that, um, this might give you a taste of what you're going to find in the book. So this book applies to all couples and individuals, heterosexual and LGBTQIA+, and to all races and cultures. It is, a, it is written referring to the pronouns he, she, and they. All references to male, female, or men, women should be taken with the intent to describe the people interviewed or described as referenced, yet each scenario should be applied to your own personal situation as it fits, in as much as you can take what is said here and make it useful to your own life. Open monogamy is inclusive by nature. There's no intent here to harm or leave out any group, gender, orientation, race, or economic class. That said, privilege, inequity, and exclusion show up here just as they do in the overall culture. Also inherent in this book is the idea of couple privilege. Couple privilege means that the couple has more privileges in our society than the single individual. Mm. This is not argued for or against, but rather acknowledged as our predominant cultural model. I have used the term marriage to describe a couple who considers themselves primary partners. This couple may or may not be living together or legally married. This is a book about partnership and expanding the definition of relationship. It is intended as a guide for two people who are committed and want to open their relationship to other people on some level in some way. In open monogamy, the primary relationship comes first. This arrangement, uh, yes, this arrangement is only one point on the monogamy continuum. Whether you decide to keep your partnership closed or find yourself embracing relationship anarchy, you will find the tools here to do it together. Take what works and leave the rest. Please take all the content of this book in the spirit as intended to help, to support, and to love, and to send love to all who need it. I really wanted to read that because the couple privilege point is something that we don't talk about too, too much. I've, yeah, I've, I've never kind really of like, thought about that. Really? Yeah, like, uh, uh, not that I'm disagreeing with it, but like how, 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 how? Well, because what do, like what kind of privileges come with being a couple uh, outside of the privileges of like celebrating <laughs> anniversaries and, and, and shit. Okay. Well that, I mean that, that's a very, that's a very interesting one. I remember this came up a handful of months ago. We talked about the privilege, how, you know, your unmarried, unchildren friends, um, who come to all your, uh, anniversaries and yeah, all yeah, your yeah. baby showers and yeah. all your kids' birthdays. Like you're privileged to gifts, yeah. but like, but, but it's gotta be more than that for, for, for her to write this in that book. Well, it's yeah. gotta be, it's, what, there, there's gotta be a greater, uh, a greater sense of privilege that comes with being in a couple. And, and I don't know what those, I would love to know what that is. I'm well, very curious about what off that the top be. of my head, I'm going to say, because I also, as I'm, I don't know if I mentioned this in the conversation with Tammy, but I, in preparation for the conversation with Tammy, I watched the Netflix explained um, episode on monogamy and basically just like you know as a society we we put a lot of priority on that on getting your mate on like getting your person yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and that being like a primary goal yeah of your life sure 
And then because it's elevated to that point, like it's hell, it's like, oh, are you, you know, are you seeing someone yeah. is a really common yeah. question. And like, I suppose if you're if you're someone who's just not interested in that, then you you're facing you're facing like fucking ridicule and and you have to explain it to question. everybody. Yeah, 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 totally. You know, yeah. you don't have to explain so, yourself yeah. if you want to be married to someone. But you got to yeah. explain yourself a lot if you're like, no, I'd like to have a kid by myself. Yeah. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. 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 That would be. Yeah. Right. And then and then, of course, if you do take that route of like having a kid by yourself, there comes all the all the struggles and, and issues with, you know. With that, like, I mean, th- talking to um, talking to people who donate sperm and like trying to get uh, a sperm donor mm. um unless they're coming into it with like a, you know even like even lesbian couples having a challenging time like getting accepted to have a sperm donor but then you know remove somebody else from the from the from the picture and you're single trying to do it then mm. you know w- like certain welfare questions that arise with that and whatever yeah i get i get it i get it it would be fun to talk to someone specifically about that yeah, totally. I, I love that. The first thing that comes to mind, I hilariously, is the fact that all amusement park rides are built for two people <laughs> to sit side by side. Right. Yeah. Anyway, that's just a thing. That's just a thing I've been obsessed with right. since I was a kid. Um, <clears throat> okay. So um, among the 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 many many pages of this book, Tonut, it is just construction. That's I think it. they're vacuuming out there too. It's just construction, buddy. Yeah, you are such a scary boy. He's a very scary boy. Um, there, there is uh there's a lot of really great interactive sections of this book. Again, I haven't read the whole thing, but flipping through, it's like it's a ton of prompts for conversation. Yeah. Um, and one of the things she's got in here is the um the the pre-interview questions that she sent out to all the people that she interviewed for this book. And I thought uh, there were a couple in here that I might ask you and I might pose to our listeners who identify as non-monogamous. Okay. Um, So, so the questions that they, that she asked were, I'll, I'll read them all, but I'll just, I'll, I'll pause on the ones I'd like to, stop on so the first one is how do you so first of all married living together your age gay straight bi queer trans how do you want to be referred to in the book okay that's aside i want to be referred to as lord humongous yes <laughs> uh question number one how do you define your current relationship structure oh, man. <sighs> you're already hating. i'm already i already hate this because <laughs> you don't like Having to label, things? I just you know I you know why I just don't want to think about it. I don't want to th- like I don't. Why does it matter? I I mean I get it. I get it for the we're doing relationship work right. Yeah, now. I know, I know, I, I know. <laughs> and I don't. I, I just I don't. Okay, so I'm I am a I identify as up it within a polyamorous relationship with two different people, um, and um, one of those uh relationships is uh follows a, a monogamous structure in terms of sexual um, connection. Um, is there anything else I need to say? Like, <laughs> no, it's, I, I actually... I'm already confused at my own life. <laughs> 
that wasn't one of the questions that I actually wanted to stop on, but thank you for volunteering your confusion. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were asking all these things. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay. I, but I'm going to move on to question two. And I do, I do, I am curious about your response. I mean, I'm in a monopoly relationship. There we go. That's, that's, that's as like simple as I can put it. Okay. I'm in a monopoly relationship. I'm going to, we're going to, I'm going to need to see some um, explanation of that at some point. Monopoly? I, I've never heard of that before. You haven't? No. I can give it to you right now. Okay. I'm in a polyamorous relationship with you and Leah, but Leah and I are monogamous together in, in terms of yeah. uh, our, our, our sexuality. Monopoly. Monopoly. Okay. Yeah. Different than single, uh, single poly? Solo poly. Solo poly. Very right. different from yeah. solo poly. Yes. Okay. Okay. So question number two is how did you know that traditional monogamy wasn't for you? Um, through a lot of, uh, conversations with you about our relationship structure and about yeah. monogamy in general. Cool. Don't it? Just put your butt down. <laughs> Just lay down. Just lay down. Um, I won't ask you question number three, cause we've talked about this at length on the show. How did you approach the conversation the first time? How did you revisit it? It, how did you revisit it? Um, then we've got question four, which is how did this type of relationship structure develop over time? Again, yep, we've talked about yep, that at length. Yep, 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 um, yep. Do you specifically seek out partners that will be flexible around your open monogamy? I think the question was yes. We're not really doing that anymore, though. Yeah. Um, you know, it asks the next question is all are all of your partners open or any of them monogamous? Blah, 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 blah. Do other people know about your relationship agreement? OK, question eight and nine. I want to ask you for real. Okay. Um, question eight. What is the most difficult part of your current relationship structure? What would you change? Oh, fuck, man. Obviously explaining it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trying to explain it. Uh, the most difficult part of my current relationship structure. It's funny because we get a lot, when we get questions about this, we get a lot of questions about time management. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't ever feel like that's like that's not an issue right now. No, no. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, I would I would say there's definitely a, there's definitely a sense of like there's 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 definitely been times of insecurity within my relationship structure um, when when being in a polyamorous type setup with somebody who doesn't identify as polyamorous. Mm -hmm. That has that has for sure brought up some like issues around insecurity that need to be like that that takes a lot of patience and needs time to work through. Um, um, but like, but that, but that, but also, it's asking like, what is the current issue? And and I don't think that that's something that I really that's really an issue right now. You don't have any current? Not really. That's no, nice. I mean, yeah, no. Um, okay. What is the, this is question number nine. What is the most meaningful part of your current relationship agreement? What's the most meaningful part? Um, now are we talking about with you or with, let's talk about with us. Yeah. With us. Yeah. Um, the most meaningful part of our current relationship agreement uh, is, uh, probably, probably like, like the full autonomy that we give each other with, 
expressing ourselves with other people outside of our relationship. Mm-hmm. That's pretty meaningful. That is pretty meaningful. Yeah. Actually, that's a great place for me to tell you this. I- I've been thinking about this quote, but not realizing that it was an actual quote. I thought it was just something that our our mindfulness teacher, Frank, um, Frank Jude Baccio, taught us at teacher training. Yep. Um, but I found it as the quote, the first quote in this book. And it's a quote by Thich Nhat Hanh, who recently passed away, mm. a beloved Zen teacher and poet. And I didn't realize, but that makes sense because our teacher, Frank Jude, was a student of Thich Nhat Hanh. Yeah. Um, and it's in quotation marks because it's a quote. And it says, you must love in such a way that the person you love feels free. Mm. And I've always, that's been an underlying, like that, this message is something that underlies our whole agreement right. from the inception of the idea of opening things up. Right. Um, and I've talked about that at length of the show as well. So again, you must love in such a way that the person you love feels free. Yeah. And <clears throat> obviously that doesn't mean like free to do whatever you want without any, you know, communication, obviously, but free yeah. to express yourself yeah. and be your own individual self. I thought you were going to say the, 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 uh, the other Thich Nhat Hanh quote, um, the two in a pan, two, two birds in a hand is, uh, is one in the pan. I thought it was a bird in the hand is a man in the sand. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. That, <laughs> uh, I think that quote comes up later in one of the other chapters. Um, it also, this book has a little bit here, um, in a chapter called creating your open monogamy agreement. We have a lot of people ask us how we wrote our contract. Right. And this, even though it's called, your own open your open monogamy agreement it's the same it's the same thing the same sorts of questions right right Right. sure um so she suggests that before you begin answering these questions and there's a lot we won't we certainly won't go through all of these um that you start with appreciation for one another and end with appreciation for one another right so um so jeremy one thing i appreciate about you right now is uh, how much you make me laugh. My intention. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Um, my intention for doing this exercise is to uh, improve our communication. And what I hope we get out of it is some laughs and some improved conversation, some improved uh, communication. Great. Right? Great. So. Um, and then I would do the same to you. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to do that. Sure. Um, but you can do that at home if you're listening with your partner. You could pause right now and tell each other what you appreciate about each I other. I appreciate that you are willing to pick the pimples on my back. That is a privilege. You don't have that's to thank me. That's some couple privilege <laughs> right there. That is fucking couple privilege right there. If you're single, that is a privilege that you do not have. That is a legit poll question. Is, is not having Someone. somebody do your blackheads. I mean, like I'm considering... Because I don't have you looking at my skin on my back very often. I, I don't like anymore. it. I don't like doing it. Yeah. You do, though. I like doing it yeah, a lot. Yeah, I don't really enjoy it. But you don't have as many as you used to have, though. And I have, I don't know what that's about. I think you're showering too much. 
I shower once a day. <laughs> That's crazy. That's not crazy. That's my self-care. If I don't shower yeah. in a day, yeah. I feel really not okay. Okay. I need to shower once a day. And that is my self-care. When I shower, I'm like, I feel much better than I did. I have to, because of my eczema, take a bath every couple of days because Sounds great. I need to, well, uh, this is what I do. I alternate between Epsom salts and I fill the tub up. I have a deep tub. I fill the tub up and I just float there in Epsom salts. I can't use any oils and stuff because of my eczema, yeah. just Epsom. Um, but then I also, if my skin's feeling really itchy, this is what happens. Like I'll be scratching and then now I have like a fucking open wound on my leg or whatever because yeah. I've been scratching it. And what Piss happens is, it. yeah, I pee on it in a bathtub full of water with some bleach in it. Do you actually bleach? Yeah. So that's Whoa. where I was going with this. I do pee in the tub as I'm draining it because I also don't. Wait, are you joking? The, the, I have the piss more, on a thing. Was it? Hold on. I, I think pissing I, on it is not a thing, but it does okay. feel good to but pee in the tub. But you do pee in the tub. I'll pee in the tub because I have to finish my bathing routine with a shower. Because I have to wash the, <laughs> I have to wash <laughs> myself off. What? So you just cover yourself in piss? Look, maybe you don't understand how liquids work. Oh, I do. Trust me. Pour like a. <laughs> Uh, two oh, ounces, a shot glass of a pee. shot glass? You piss, you are pissing way more than, have you ever tried to no, piss while you're driving? I pee. You will fill a, bo a water bottle. No, because I pee before I get into up. the tub. I pee before I get into the tub. So if I have to pee while I'm in the tub. Folks, this is I just insane. Let it Turn me on podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. I was joking. She took it Look, somewhere serious. Also, this was not you medically. Piss in the oh tub. Oh my god! I'm never gonna get while... to the end of the point I have to make. This <laughs> There's is my no life. point anymore. <laughs> yes. Fuck this book. Let's just cover this. <laughs> this is insanity. Look, I think urine is probably medicinal in some ways, but it's, that's not the point wow. that I was trying to make. Listen, I had a. I thought which was already an impressive and important piece of information hey man, look, to share, a and look, you have hijacked it. I, there's a different. I sometimes pee on my feet in the shower. Just for for it's shits and giggles, the same fucking thing. But there's a big difference between getting a little bit of pee on my feet and just bathing in my piss. Hey, have you ever been in I'm a not, swimming I'm pool? I'm not king shaming you. It's a, hey, it's not a king. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not have here to ever, king shame. Have you ever peed in the lake or in a on the beach in the water? Uh, I don't like doing that, but I have. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like thing. it. Yeah, it's not the same thing though because the ocean <laughs> is is like trillions and trillions, hundreds of trillions of gallons of water. Yeah, but uh, your as bathtub soon as you is, pee, your bathtub's like six gallons. Where of water. do you think it? It's no, it's way more than six gallons. I don't know if you've ever. Anyway. The bleach thing is the point that I wanted to make, but here, but I have, I have something. Let just let me talk. <laughs> I can see you preparing to open your mouth. Listen, well, yeah. Let me finish. So then, when I'm not having a salt bath, I do that piss bath. I have a. I feel I have to fill the tub up. I'm I'm scratching right now. You're stressing me out. Oh my god, I'm so itchy all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> probably because you, probably you peed me. all over yourself. Pee on me. See if it works. Um, no, in the tub, in the... Oh I fuck. Okay, so we have staph bacteria. Yes. That lives on our skin. It's bad. It lives on our skin. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. We carry it around all day. Yeah, you got to burn it off with... Uh, with Bleach. Bleach, yeah. So I just feel like this is going to go over really well with any of the people that are listening that are also like 
really into being super, super clean. Yeah. Um, a quarter of a cup of bleach into a half of a, a bath and then maximum sit in it for like 10 minutes. It kills the staph bacteria on your skin. Oh my God. So you don't get infections like I did last year. Oh God. I'm scratching so much. I feel like we are walking into some goop territory here. You're, I, I, no, my dermatologist just oh, did, prescribed did it. Okay, all right. This isn't some like Gwyneth Paltrow, like, no. like, like steam clean your vagina shit. No, no, no. Right. This is all dermatologist right. recommended. Okay, all right. And then I did I did talk to her about it with my naturopath, and she was like, yeah, that does seem to help people. Right. So, um, so everyone's on board with bleach baths for okay. eczema. Cool, 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 cool. And it does feel really good, and you feel super fucking clean. After you get out of the tub. Yeah. That's why I think it's okay to pee. Also, I finish all of my baths with a minimum, minimum 30 second freezing cold shower. Yeah. Which, I always I always stop a bath with a shower. I, I always finish a bath with a shower. A freezing cold shower? No, no. Scald, scalding hot. I, oh, burn God. all the oils off me. Oh, God. That's why I'm in Dry me up. That's why I'm so itchy. Dry me but, up. But, so, but here's the thing. <laughs> I wash my hair with baking soda. Okay. And I condition it with apple cider vinegar. Sure. But you cannot combine vinegar and bleach. No, yeah, that's that's your uh, that you're you're looking for uh, uh, an ammonia poisoning, right? Well, there. I don't know if it's a mo- ammonia poisoning, but there's ammonia in your pee, which I didn't think about until I was taking my bleach bath last night, and I peed in the tub, and I was like, it, it, it's mustard gas, urine and bleach. Yeah. Urine and bleach is mustard gas. Is is, is the biological weapon that killed so many soldiers in World War One? Ammonia and bleach is is how you create mustard gas. Not even fucking with you, a hundred percent. But is there enough ammonia in your urine to create mustard gas in a bleach bath? If you poured a a bunch of bleach into your toilet and then you pissed into your toilet, you are risking getting very sick. Look it up. I'll look it up later. This is my, and this is not some like bro bro, bro Gwyneth Paltrow shit. No. Well, I feel like we should end it there because honestly. That would a tangent. Folks, this has been so fun. We're not, we're not coming back from my (laughs) urine baths. That's for sure. Holy smokes. Uh, Such fun. Um, (laughs) Sorry, uh, Dr. Tammy Nelson, that we ended your episode on on this All the goods were in her conversation. We were just here to toot around. Um, (laughs) Uh, if you like those toots, lots more toots where that came from. Uh, we will be back next week. And uh, thank you for listening. If you like the show, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, or you can leave a rating on the Spotify mobile app. And uh, if you want to write in to let us know your thoughts about Brody uh, taking piss baths, <laughs> turn me on podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, if you want to see Donut and all the hijinks that he's been up to over the last uh, 40 minutes, go to <laughs> patreon.com slash turn me on. And you can see him right now standing in front of me, pretty much blocking uh, me entirely from the camera. So, uh, oh, good shit. Good and boy. burping intermittently into my face. He's a little burper, eh? What's, yeah. going, what's with the, the burps, bud? God damn it, you're cute. Fuck. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. We would not be here without you. And like Jeremy said, if you'd like to support us on Patreon, you'll get access to um, video content, which is us talking right now and arguing about who gets to tell the story before somebody interrupts. Uh, patreon.com slash join me on that is it for this week folks until next week go touch yourself
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.